Let's pray. Father in heaven, give me peace of mind as I deliver this message. Let not the enemy make me so angry, dear God, that it affects my preaching of your word. Bless my brothers and sisters, dear Father, because I do not they believe they do what they do out of malice or spite towards you. Bless them. Give me the right words, dear God. Give me the right spirit. And let everything I say be said out of love for you and love for your children. Bless every man, woman, boy, and girl under the sound of my voice. Bless every family. Please, Father, use me for your glory alone. I offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Let God's people say, Amen and Amen. Mark chapter 6, reading verse 7. Please find the passages quickly. Mark chapter 6, reading verse 7. The Bible says, And he called unto him the twelve, and began to send them forth by two and two, and gave them power over unclean spirits. Verse 12, And they went out and preached that men should repent. Verse 13, And they cast out many devils, and anointed with oil many that were sick, and healed them. Look at verse 13 and look at verse 7. Verse 13 tells us of the miraculous works the disciples did. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Question, how were they able to heal and cast out devils? The answer is in verse 7 which tells us, and he gave them power. I want you to visualize Jesus giving the disciples power. Here is Christ. Here are the disciples. Jesus gives them something. Power. In other words, something left Christ and went to them. Let us see that more clearly dramatized in Mark chapter 5. We shall read from verse 25. Mark 5, reading from verse 25. Our subject, the high cost of living. Mark 5, reading from verse 25, the Bible says, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things, of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing bettered, but rather grew worse. When she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his clothes. For she said, for he, his garment, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be what? That's right. And straightway, the Bible says, the fountain of her blood was dried up. 
Now read the next few words with me if you have the King James Version. And she what? Felt where? In her body what? That she was healed of that plague. Now listen to the words carefully. When you read the Bible, read the Bible microscopically. Look closely at what you're reading. The Bible says, and straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt. That's a sensation. The only way to have a sensation is to have one or more of the five senses. Sight, hearing, speech, smell, taste, and touch. She felt where? In her body, what? That something had happened. She was healed of that plague. Now notice verse 30. The Bible says, And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched me? This is a remarkable event. The woman felt something, and Jesus felt something. What did Jesus feel? He felt something doing what? Leaving him. What did she feel? She felt something coming in. Let me say that again. Jesus Christ felt it when the power left him. The woman felt it when the power entered her. Verse 31. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and seest thou who touched me? And he looked round about on her that had done this thing. Verse 33. But the woman, fearing and trembling, now read the next few words with me, knowing what? What was done in her. A repeat of verse 29. Came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. Here we have something happened in Jesus, and something happened in that woman. What was it? Power left Jesus, entered the woman, and brought about a miraculous healing in that woman. If you go to Luke 6, verse 19. Luke 6, verse 19. Find it quickly, our subject, the high cost of living. The Bible says, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for they went virtue out of him and healed them. What's the last word of that verse? All. Every single person in that crowd. And verse 17 says, a great multitude of people out of all Judea and Jerusalem and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon. Each one that touched Christ was healed because for each one that touched Christ, Something left Christ. Now I'm trying to stress, something left Jesus. What was that? Power. Let's develop a rule, a principle. Every time a miracle is performed, it costs God power. Let me say that again. Every time, a miracle is performed, it costs God something. What is that thing? Power. Let's get another word for power. Life. 
The power of God is his life. Whenever a sick person recovers, that person recovers by the power of God, whether the person is a believer or an atheist. Let's look at a greater expenditure of power. Go to Genesis 1 quickly. We shall read verse 1. Our subject, the high cost of living. I've gone about 5 to 8. I shall release you as soon as I can. Genesis 1, reading from verse 1. The Bible says, In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, this is the creation of the universe, or the part of the universe that applies to us. But long before this earth was created, there were other worlds, there was the universe, there was a space, there was a place where the angels lived, and still is, there's a place where unfallen beings live on unfallen worlds. Before this world was created, there was life in the universe, all created by the Creator. What's His name? Well, God is a general word. What's the Creator's name? Jesus. Listen to me carefully. Every star cost the Creator something. Let's go to Genesis 1. Let's read verse 11. The Bible says, And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so a question for you. Do plants live, yes or no? Yes. Where do they get that life? From God. It costs God life for plants to grow. Ella White writes in Bible Commentary, Volume 1, Page 1081, paragraph 4, God has given his life to the trees and vines of his creation. Let me say that again. Every blade of grass gets its life from God. Every flower gets its life from God. The same reference. Bible Commentary, Volume 1, page 1081, paragraph 4. Ellen White writes, God has given his life, I, I said it earlier, to the trees and vines of creation. She also says in that same paragraph, he bestows life-giving properties upon all that nature produces. In the same paragraph she writes, without the life of God, nature would die. I say again, every tree is alive by the life of God. Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, read from verse 20. The Bible says, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. How many species of birds are there? How many species of fish? Everyone is alive. By drawing life from God. Can you begin to calculate the cost to God of sustaining and creating creation? Every tree is alive because of God. Every bird because of God. 
every fish because of God. Let's go to verse 24 of Genesis 1. Our subject, the high cost of living. The Bible says, and God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind. Cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Every land animal gets its life from God. Yes, I'm being repetitious for a very important reason. I want to nail it down in your consciousness. Nothing can live disconnected from God. Even in the new world, those of us with eternal life and immortal life will have immortal life because we are connected to God. Life cannot exist independent of God. That's creation. Creation is brought about by the life of God. Creation is also maintained by the life of God. Listen to Psalm 33, verse 6. You know it very well, I'm quite sure. Here's what it says. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made. How were the heavens made? By the word of the Lord and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The word of God brought creation. Now, let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. We have seen creation was by God's word. Now let's see how creation is maintained. Hebrews 1 reading verse 3. Have you found that? The Bible says, Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things, how? By the word of his power. Let's calculate again. How much life, how much power is required to create the entire universe? All that life came from God. Follow me closely. How much life, how much power is required to maintain that creation? All that life, all that power comes from God. Now, let's go to verse 26 of Genesis 1. Our subject, the high cost of living. The Bible says, and God said, let us make man in our image. Now let's go to chapter 2, verse 7. And you know that verse very well, I'm sure. It says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The Hebrew expression really says, And breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives. When God breathed life into Adam, God breathed into him the possibility of being the father of billions and billions of human beings. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives. How many people have inhabited this world since Adam and Eve? We cannot count. Every single one drew life from God then and now. Listen to Genesis 2-7 again. And, God's, and God, the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils. Here again we have something leaving God, costing God. 
Let's look more closely. When God made vegetation in verse 11 of chapter 1 of Genesis, did God have to die? Answer yes or no. No. It required some life from God, but not all his life. When God made the fish of the sea and the birds of the air in verse 20, did it cost him his life? No. When he made the land animals, verse 24, 25, did it cost God his life? No. When he made man, did it cost him his life? When he made man, did it cost him his life? No. Did it cost God his life to make the entire universe? Does it cost him his life, all his life, to maintain the universe? No. Now listen to Genesis 2, 16, 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayst freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof, you finish the verse, Thou shalt. Now God introduces death as a reality in the event of disobedience. Let me say that again. God introduces to Adam something that Adam did not understand. That was death as a result of disobedience. We know that Adam and Eve sinned. Let's go to chapter 3, reading from verse 7. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. They've sinned. Now they're dead spiritually. Let me repeat what I just said. They are dead how? Spiritually. Why do I say that? Conversion is the process by which God gives life to a spiritually dead person. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were what? Dead in what? Trespasses and sins. Let me say it again. Conversion is the process whereby God gives life to a spiritually dead person. Every unconverted person is dead. So Adam and Eve sinned. They were spiritually dead. Physically alive, spiritually dead. Now, God has to give Adam life the second time. Are you following me? He has to give Adam life He gave Adam life the first time in verse 7, chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Man became a living soul. Now he became a living soul physically. Now he's dead spiritually. And God has to raise him spiritually. This time, it will cost God. Not some of his life. Finish my thoughts. All his life. Because God will have to what? Die. 
You're not following me. To save one man, it costs God what? All his life. To make the entire universe, it did not cost God all his life. To maintain the entire universe, it did not cost God all his life. To save one man from spiritual death, it cost God his life. Now you tell me, what's more expensive, creating the universe or saving one person? Saving one, and that person is you. I say it again in the presence of a holy God. It is more expensive to save one person than to create and sustain the entire universe. One person. The high cost of what? Living. Listen to the parable of the lost sheep. What man of you, having a thousand, a hundred sheep, if he lose how many? One of them. Doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which was lost? What's the next word? Until. Bless whoever said that. You know what until means? Until. There's a popular saying in the United States attributed to Malcolm X, a civil rights leader of the 60s. He said, uh, equality must be pursued by any means necessary. That's how the shepherd went looking for that sheep. I will find and deliver that sheep by any means necessary, including the loss of my life. And so Ella White writes in Desire of Ages, page 690, paragraph 3, he will save man at any cost to himself. And he did. The loss of God's life. That's a subject I cannot fully understand. All I know is, Jesus Christ took human form and died. When he appeared to John the Revelator, in Revelation 1.17, he said, I am he that liveth and was dead. That's what he said. That was God speaking, I was dead. But now I'm alive forevermore. And I have the keys of hell and death. Listen to me carefully. It cost God his life to make salvation available to you. There is nothing in the world, nothing in the universe more expensive than your salvation. It cost God all his life. He died in the person of his son. The son representing the father. The Bible says God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Somehow the father gave himself when he gave Jesus Christ. Hebrews tells us that Christ through the eternal spirit gave himself. Somehow the father and the spirit were involved in the sacrifice of the son. Somehow. Which means all the Godhead was involved in that payment for your sins and mine. That's a terrible cost. And the Godhead will pay that cost forever. 
Because for once, for once, the first time in the history of the Father and the Son, and I use those words carefully, God really has no history, he has no beginning or end. That's what I mean. But for the first time, they were separated, and that was at Calvary. First time. What did Jesus cry out and say? What did he cry out and say on the cross when he felt the separation? What did he say? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In John 8, 29, Jesus says, He that hath sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. That's what Jesus said. Jesus and the Father were like this before he came to this earth. They were like this on this earth until he was on that cross with all of your sins and mine and the Father turned his back and forsook him for a while and Jesus felt it. Ellen White says, it was as if the Godhead suffered a tear, a rip, and the Father swore this will never happen again. But for all eternity, the Godhead will suffer, will carry a scar. Part of the cost of your salvation and mine. My brothers and sisters, it cost God his life. All AOI is asking you for is a year. Really, they should ask for your life. Do you know Jesus gave himself for you for all eternity? Did I say that clearly? God didn't give Christ and say, go spend a year. And when the year is up, leave them alone. Christ, having been given by God, remains ours for all eternity. And the evidence of that is the fact that he still has human nature right now in heaven. Still human. He doesn't have angelic nature. He has human nature plus his divine nature. An evidence that Christ has been given to us, not loaned, given. For how long? Eternity. But we have to ask people, can you give God a year? Can you give God six months? Can you give God three weeks? In return for having given you an eternity of Jesus Christ. Something is out of balance. Do you realize your life belongs to God? Does not the Bible say we were bought what? With a price. This is not symbolic language. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Sometimes people read the Bible as if the whole Bible is revelation. And everything is symbolic. It's not symbolic. You were bought with a price, listen to me carefully, with respect, but directness, you do not belong to you. You belong to God on two levels. Creation, salvation. The Bible says, thou shalt not steal. The man or the woman who refuses to give his life to God is stealing what belongs to God because God has a receipt for your life and it is signed in blood. And so tonight, I want you to contemplate the high 
cost of living. It cost God his life to provide eternal life for you and for me, to provide victory over the bondage of sin, which leads to death, to provide deliverance from the curse of the law, which is death. Another way of saying that God gave his life, God gave everything he had and was left with nothing when he gave Christ. Let me say it again. When God gave Christ, he gave everything. Because Christ is creator. The whole universe belongs to Christ. Listen to Colossians 1, 16, 17. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. The universe belongs to Christ. The Bible says, all things that the Father hath are mine. John 16, 15. Jesus says, everything the Father has is mine. So when the Father gave Christ, he gave everything. Am I getting through? That's value that God placed on you. Value. God could only pay one price for you. That's everything. I was in the hospital yesterday, and my friend and I went to the bakery and bought a little cake. Cost what? Three, what do you call your money? Three ringgit. But when God bought us, it cost him all the ringgits he could find. <laughs> that was his life. If God can give up his life for you, Listen to me carefully. Can you give up an earring for God? Hmm? Can you give up a cigarette for God? Can you give up that unsaved boyfriend who's destroying your spiritual life? By the way, you should not have romantic relationships with people outside of the church. If you are in that situation, break it off tonight. When did I say to break it off? Tonight. You're smiling? You're smiling loudly. Let me tell you how serious this is. Listen carefully to me. Before God sent the flood, in Genesis 7, we have a description of the condition of the world in Genesis 6. Now listen carefully. Genesis 6 from verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose, the sons of God, the holy line, the daughters of men, the heathen line. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. Now listen carefully. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. What, she said, what the Bible is saying, the combination of God's people with the unbelievers produced a wicked race. 
Verse 5 says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Let me tell you this. They only clearly identified sin. The only clearly identified sin that led to the flood was mixed marriages. Are uh, you not listening? You're sleeping with your eyes open. Let me say it again, whether you like it or not. The only clearly identified sin, yes, there were others. I'm saying the only clearly identified sin was the mixed marriages that produced men of renown, renown in a negative sense. You know who one of the mighty men was? Nimrod. You read Genesis 10 from verse 8. And Cush begat Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one in the earth. That's what he was. You go back to Genesis 6 verse 4. And it came to, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of all men of renown. The leading mighty man was Nimrod, who led out in the building of Babel. And we get Babylon. The one who set up that kingdom tried to build the Tower of Babel. Hmm? Why? God's people intermarried. Listen to me carefully. If you are romantically involved with someone outside of the church, break it off in the name of Jesus. You are wrong. What does L.O.I. say? To connect with an unbeliever is to place yourself on Satan's ground. Why do I seem so worked up? It destroys the church. Because you find yourself attacking your church to defend that person. Mm -hmm. You find yourself attacking your parents to defend that person. You attack the basic doctrines of the church to defend that person. Let me say it one more time and let heaven record that I've told you very directly. If you are involved in a relationship with a non-Adventist, God requires you to break it off. I don't care if the wedding is tomorrow. No, I really don't. Break it off. What did it cost God to save you? His life. Did it cost God his life to make the universe? No. Did it cost God his life to maintain the universe? No. It cost him his life to save one person. The most expensive thing in the universe is your salvation. Tonight, God tells you and me, I did all of this for you. What will you do for me? You see, we were made in God's image, right or wrong. God said, let us make man how? In our image. Now, the image of God at heart includes the way God functions, his character. God's functioning, his way of functioning is to give everything. Now, for those of us made in his image, God says to us, now you give to me. How much? Everything. Your life. Your talents. Your skills. Historical sketches, page 285, paragraph 4, L.O.I. writes, Every youth should be impressed with the fact that he's not his own. His strength, his time, his talents belong to God, his or her. Your vision belongs to God. Your hearing belongs to God. 
The way your neurons fire, that's God's. Does not the Bible say, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. You belong to God by right. And God wants what's his. Don't keep it from him. I want you tonight, in the light of what you've heard, say, Father, if you pay that price for me, here am I. It is a crime against generosity, divine generosity, to understand the price of your salvation and not respond. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 19, we love him. Finish the verse. Because he first loved us. How do we know he loved us? By the cost of salvation. Having understood that cost as best we can with our limited capacities, we say, God, here's my life. Here's my education. Here's my health. Here's my money. Here's my romantic life. It's all for you. And so tonight, I recommit myself to God. All that I am, including my sins, they're his. What does John say? Behold the Lamb of God, which does what? Taketh away. The Greek word means to bear, to carry, like you carry your backpacks. God, Jesus wants the backpack of our sins. He's a sin bearer. Let him have mine. And my life, he paid for it. It's his, legally. My talents, whatever little talents I have, very small. My physical strength. My sanity, his, to be used for his glory. Not for a year, but the rest of my life. How many of you are grateful to God for the price he paid? Can I see your right hand? You're grateful to God for the price he paid. Did you raise your hands? Take your hands down, please. Let's confirm it. You are grateful for the price God paid for your salvation. Let me see your right hand. Stand up. I'll make a very direct appeal. After the appeal and you've responded, we'll have a special song. Then I'll come back and close. Let me tell you something about the way God functions. You either belong to God or you don't. What did Jesus say? He that is not with me. Yes. Now let's put that more bluntly. He that does not belong to God, finish my words, belongs to Satan. Did you hear what I just said? If you do not belong to God, you belong to the devil. Now you can get out of that. Yes, you can. But the man who does not belong to God belongs to the devil. Now let me tell you something. The only way to belong to God is to belong to God 100%. What does Jesus say? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with some of thy heart and with some of thy soul and with some of thy might. What does he say? With all thy heart, with all thy soul, thy might, thy strength, thy understanding. It's all or nothing with God. And so Ellen White writes in Last Day Events, page 191, paragraph 1, God will accept nothing less than unreserved surrender. You know what unreserved means? Holding back what? 
Nothing. Here's how some people surrender themselves to God. Lord, here's my life. Do not tell me who to date. Lord, here's my life. Don't tell me how to spend my money. Lord, here's my life. Don't tell me how to run my family. Lord, here's my life. Don't tell me what recreational activities to get involved with. Mm -mm. God says, if I do not control every area of your life, you do not belong to me. Ellen White writes, Satan takes control of every mind that is not decidedly under the control of the Spirit of God. Let me say that again slowly. Satan takes control of every mind that is not decidedly under the control of the Spirit of God. Mind, character, and personality, volume 1, page 13, paragraph 3. Are your minds decidedly under the control of the Spirit of God? What does decidedly mean? Give me another word. Hmm? Decidedly. What does that mean? Holy. Give me another word. Firmly. Give me another word. And who said that? I like that person. Entirely. Give me another word. Who? Willingly. Give me another word. Certainly. No doubt. Give me another word. Completely. Give me another word. A hundred and one percent. I like that. hundred and one. Give me another word. Unreservedly. My brothers and sisters, the Bible is closed. I'm finishing. Give yourself to God without reservation. If you surrender to God 99%, who has the 1%? And God doesn't share the throne. Too many of us are 99% surrendered in our heads. That's what we think. Let me tell you again. Partial surrender to God is total surrender to the enemy. You cannot be partially surrendered to God. You're either his or you're not. You've stood to say, Lord, here's my life. This is no joke. But the smartest thing you can ever do is let God control your life. Because then everything becomes a blessing. Having stood, let me ask you this. Does God deserve at least one year of your life? Does he deserve that? You know how fast 12 months pass? If you will consider dedicating one year, one little year, to the work of God, whether it's Bible work, literature evangelism, whatever AOI needs. If you will say, Father, you gave all your life. That's this. AOI is asking for one year. I will give one year. Don't worry about what you tell your mother and your father. Just make the decision. One year. If you'll do that, come quickly. Come right here. One year. Come. God bless you, my brother. Come, 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 come. Is this thing strong? Is this strong? Come up here. Come up here. Come here. One year. That's all. Not your whole life. One. Come. Somebody else. Don't embarrass God like that. Somebody else. One year. It'll pass like lightning. Total commitment to God. Not combined with school and this and that and just the work of God. One year, come. Sister, God bless you. Come right up.
Come, sister, God bless you. God bless you. Come right up. Somebody else come. I understand God has never had the majority. I understand that. But someone else come. God bless you, my good brother. One year, 12 tiny months for the one who loves you so much. Come. <laughs> Give it to the life giver. Do you know your life because your life is in his hand? Somebody else come one year. Total involvement in direct Bible work. Come. Somebody else, come. I know you want to come. Your knees are knocking. Bring your knocking knees and come. You're afraid? Come. Someone else, 12 months. That's, come, sister. God bless you. 12 months. That's all. 12 months. Let God handle your parents. You make a commitment to God. You know what Jesus told his earthly father when he was 12? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business. He was looking right in the eyes of his earthly father. I must be about my father's business. He said it with respect. But his mind was clear. Listen to what Ellen White says about Jesus. At a very early age, Jesus had begun to act for himself in the formation of his character. And not even respect and love for his parents could turn him from obedience to God's word. It is written was his reason for every act that varied from the family customs. Meaning, if the family wanted to go right and Jesus saw it was not right, he would go left and he would show from the Bible why he could not do it. At a very early age. And that wasn't disrespect. That is simply recognizing my highest duty is to God. Come, someone else, I give you 60 seconds, someone else come and say, Father, here is one year. Come, 60 seconds, begin now. God bless you, my good brother. God bless you. Somebody else. Come, sister, come. You will not regret it. <laughs> you just won't regret it. You know what Hebrews 6.10 says? For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. When you labor for God, he does not forget. 35 seconds. Someone else. 35 seconds. One year. Direct service to God. 25 seconds. I know you're scared to death of somebody. Come with your fear. Let God deal with it. Somebody else, come. Come, come, come. If you're scared, ask the person next to you to walk with you. Somebody come. 15 seconds. God bless you. And God bless whoever just walked in back here. God bless you. 10 seconds. These are long seconds. 9, 8, 7. God bless you. 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, one, I'm going to pray. Then we'll have a song, then I'll pray again. You may come while I am praying. You will not disturb the prayer. While heads are bowed, and I want you to bow your heads now, eyes are closed, I will pray to the great God to bless those who came and to move upon the hearts of others who should have come, but for reasons known best to God, they have not yet moved. Notice I said not yet, minds can change. Heads bowed, eyes closed, dear God in heaven, 
I have tried to show your sons, your daughters, the measure of your love based on the measure of your gift. That gift was your life. That gift was your son. The one who said, let there be light. The one who made the vegetation, the birds, the fish, the land, animals, human beings. You gave the creator because you loved us. Now, dear God, how much do we love you? Can we give you 12 months of direct service? And Father, those who serve you wholeheartedly, you bless them torrentially. Dear God, look down upon my young brothers and sisters who came courageously to say, I will try to give my Savior 12 months of direct service. Father, whatever fears they may have, whatever uncertainties they may have, and you understand that because they're flesh, because they're weak, you understand that. Father, you strengthen them. And you go ahead of them, and you deal with whatever relatives may say to discourage them. You take charge of those people, and you prevent them from discouraging your children. And Father, I'm going to pause in this prayer for 30 seconds. And call those who have been lingering, who may have decided they will come. 30 seconds, Father, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed. 30 seconds, somebody else come, then I close the prayer. Give God 12 months. Come. Then I close the prayer. Come. Come quickly, before the devil changes your mind. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. 20 seconds. Somebody else come. And come seriously. So the devil knows he's wasting time trying to change your mind. 15 seconds. Somebody else come before I close the prayer. Just one year. It'll pass fast. 10 seconds. Come, my good brother. Ah, God bless you. God bless you. Six seconds. Four. Three. Two. One. Father. I close the prayer now. I'm a human being. I can only do so much. And it, is, it isn't I who can fix the heart. It is your spirit. So they may say no to me, dear God. Let them not say no to your spirit as he works on hearts that are still resisting. Dear God in heaven, again I ask you a special blessing on these young men who came, these young ladies. Fill them with your spirit, dear God. Give them spiritual spines of steel that no wind blowing will cause them to bend. But they will stand as upright as Daniel in that lion's den, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah in that fiery furnace, and as Jesus on that cross. Please, dear God, put into our hearts such a love for you that we will think not only to give a year, but an eternity of service. Now, dear God, as the special music is rendered, tune the voices that the music may move more hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, let God's people say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.